Uh, well, good morning. It's so great to see you all. Merry Christmas. Uh, I do want to mention that uh, we are taking up an offering today. Um, we can, you can give through uh, the basket in the back that is placed there or through uh, our online giving platform. And so will you pray with me as we lift this up? Lord, we thank you so much for all our many blessings in this life, for uh, God, just everything that you give us from family and friends to a church uh, where we can worship you, where we can be gathered together both online and in person. And uh, God, we ask that you would help us to, uh, to turn our hearts to you, to help us to, to worship you more fully, to give of ourselves in whatever way that you're calling us to, God, because you have given us your son. And so we love you, and we ask that you bless this offering, and uh, God, may it be a blessing to others in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's dive right into our scripture this morning. It comes straight from Luke uh, chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. When the time came for purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated by the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the par- when the parents brought the child to Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the rising and the falling of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after marriage and then was a widow until she was 84 She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Uh, So I know that Christmas Eve and Christmas Day are past, but we are still having the right to celebrate Christmas because we're still in the season of Christmas. It's okay to continue to look at Christmas lights and to uh, go and sing Christmas carols or listen to Christmas music. It's okay 
to, uh, to celebrate and watch some great Christmas movies that you haven't checked off your list yet. Some of our favorites include Elf, of course, and Christmas Vacation, A Christmas Story, The Grinch. I mean, there's some great Christmas movies, but probably our favorite Christmas movie is The Santa Claus, starring, Scott, uh, starring Tim Allen, playing a character named Scott Calvin. And Scott Calvin is this cynical, just kind of uh, mean, sarcastic kind of guy with a, a tense relationship with his son. And Scott inadvertently becomes Santa Claus by uh, causing Santa to fall off of his roof uh, to his doom, which is sort of dark if you think about this for, the, for this G-rated movie. But uh, yeah, anyway, so he becomes Santa Claus. He's swept away on this crazy journey to the North Pole, and he's figuring out who he is as Santa Claus. And all the while, he just does not believe what is happening to him. He just refuses to accept it. He looks out a window while he's at the North Pole and he sees a polar bear directing traffic in the street. And uh, I'm sure it was a sight to behold, but he he turns to Judy the elf who is several hundred years old and uh, says to her, I see it, but I don't believe it. And her response to him is perfect. She says, you're missing the point. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Believing is seeing. I think that's true with our faith as well. For Hebrews 11.1 1 defines faith as assurance of what we, as confidence, excuse me, of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. When we activate our faith, we're seeing with spiritual eyes that reveal to us things that are not visible to just our normal human eye. It takes intentionality, persistence, and most importantly, it takes God's grace. But when we look first with spiritual eyes, our lives are reoriented and rearranged in a way that makes sense of that which we know with our hearts. So when Jesus came on that silent and holy night so many years ago and was laid in a humble manger, it's no wonder that, no many, that so many people did not recognize the majesty of that moment and the power of who Jesus was. It was so unexpected for the people of Israel who had been longing for this violent overthrow of the Roman government and to the restoration of the, the nation of Israel as a, as a power in the, the Middle East. They were looking for a mighty warrior king with epic royalty coming with purple robes and born in a palace. And yet Jesus was none of those things. Even as Jesus went throughout his ministry many years later, healing and prophesying and uh, preaching the word of God and driving out demons in ways that had never been seen before, there were people who saw him but didn't understand him. There were people who saw him and, and watched him and heard him, but they didn't get what he was doing. They didn't understand who he was or what he was about. They were missing the point that God is after our hearts not some outward appearance of holiness, not some conquest to restore the nation of Israel's power, but something much, much deeper that really brings true restoration. More than we like to admit, I think we have that same problem. We often uh, miss what God is doing all around us, where he's, he's working in our lives, giving us, filling our lives with blessings of hope and love and joy and peace, and yet we miss it so often. We even miss what God is doing at Christmas time, the, the one time a year we dedicate to, to seeing what God has done and who he is, as we sang about just a moment, about, uh, a moment ago. 
You know, we, we light our Christmas trees, we go about our Christmas errands and, and parties, uh, less so this year than in years past probably, but this is a time that's supposed to be directed toward one thing, but often is so busy that we, they, we miss the point of Christmas. And so it's amazing to be a part of a church that, that keeps things pointed toward Christ. I had just an amazing time. Uh, it was a long day, but a beautiful day of worship on Christmas Eve. And it just helped me to reorient what, what is the true purpose of all this and how can I see God moving in our lives as, as Wood, Woods preached about the word made flesh, that God came to dwell with us. And so we miss this uh, all the time. But why is seeking the kingdom of God first so difficult for us? Why is this such a challenge? I think our hearts are often drawn to what our eyes see, what our ears hear, what we feel with our hands, what we smell, what we taste. And the senses are good, of course. They were given to us by God as he created us so lovingly. But unless we are in tune with our maker, we can often miss the point and focus on things that do not help us in, in uh, positive ways. We can put our time and energy into the wrong things. And we can worship the blessings of our lives more than we worship the giver of those blessings. In our story today from Luke 2, we see two examples of amazing true spiritual sight from two people once they knew that Jesus was safe from King Herod and his rampage against uh, all the, the young boys of Israel, once they knew he was safe, they, they took him to the temple in Jerusalem. They, they were following the Jewish customs to do this. Within the first 40 days uh, after the firstborn son is born, they were to be consecrated and blessed in the temple. And this was in accordance with the law, which was spelled out in the book of Exodus long ago. But they probably didn't expect what was about to happen because a man named Simeon, uh, who was known for his ability to communicate with God, the Holy Spirit had told him at some point during his life that he would not die without seeing the Messiah. And so he waited and he waited and he waited and he waited and he prayed and he fasted and he kept on waiting and he continued to serve the Lord. And so when Mary and Joseph and Jesus entered the temple, most people probably didn't even spare a second glance at the Holy Family. There was likely not some shimmering light, you know, that we like to imagine, you know, shining on Jesus or on Mary. Uh, there were probably not angelic voices filling the temple as they, as, as they stepped. That would be pretty annoying, you know, if a choir of angels just followed you everywhere and sang. I mean, it would be pretty cool as a walk-up song for a little while, but I think it would get old. Uh, but they were probably not, that was probably not going on. And they may have just seemed like any other normal family taking their, their son to be consecrated and blessed. But Simeon was looking with spiritual eyes. Luke says that Simeon was moved by the spirit to go to the temple courts. At this crucial moment in Simeon's life that he had been longing for and preparing for for so long, he was ready. Many people wonder, how do I hear God when the big moment comes when he speaks to me like this? And I think the key for Simeon was that he was always connected to God. He was, he was constantly in connection with his Lord. His relationship with God was already in place when this crucial moment occurred. And so he took the child in his arms and he prayed a powerful prayer illuminated by the Holy Spirit. And we just heard it, but it's, he said this, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation, 
which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon's whole life was hinging on this promise of God. He had been longing for this redemption of Israel for so long and devoted his whole life to praying and fasting that it would come. And his relationship with God allowed him to see and to fulfill the purpose of, this, of his life in this incredible moment as he's holding this baby boy. He's able to identify and anoint the son of God for what he would do in his life. There was a lot of uh, waiting involved, of course, but oh, what a day it was when his dream could be realized and this promise could be filled and he could just be so excited about what he's beholding. His initial response to Jesus was, I can die now that I've seen this. I'm pretty sure a lot of Cubs fans said the same thing when they won the World Series in 2016 after being without one for 108 years. I've seen it now. I can go in peace. But in looking at the face of Jesus, Simeon declared that he has seen salvation. He has seen salvation. I think that's just a, a marvel of a phrase that he has, he has looked at this child and in his face he has seen salvation. That salvation has a name and that salvation has come to us through Christ. Simeon exclaimed this with such gusto and fervor that you would have thought he was stranded in a burning building with a fireman coming to rescue him and he could see his, his aid coming to him. And yet it was different because Simeon also declared that he was not just his savior, but that Jesus was the savior for all the world, something that the Israelites had never really encountered before. Simeon went on to say that Jesus will be a light for revelation for the Gentiles, for those who are outside the current family of God of Israel, and for the glory of your people Israel. Through Jesus, God was fulfilling his promise made to Abraham thousands of hundreds of years ago and, and that all nations and people of all nations would be blessed through him. Simeon was pointing to Jesus, this baby boy, and declaring that the floodgates of God's grace were bursting wide open so that God's love and his grace and his peace could be in all people. And so Simeon's response to this is he erupts in praise and worship of his God. He responds with praise and adoration, telling the good news to anybody who would hear. But his final words to Mary are of a bit more of a somber tone. He tells her that he would cause the rising and the falling of many in this country. And we see that over and over again that in, in the ministry of Jesus, there were a lot of people who were opposing him, a lot of people who had different ideas of what the Savior uh, should look like. But even, even in this uh, first sign of, of the Gospel of Luke, that Jesus' mission would not go so smoothly as, as he would hope. He goes on and continues and says that Jesus would reveal the hearts of many so that even in the midst of this turmoil and the chaos and the division that Jesus would face, he was still accomplishing the purpose of God, which was revealing the hearts of many. Isn't that what he does so many times in the, in the gospels when he asks this question? A lot of times he would answer someone's question with another question and it just turned it right in to the heart. I think he does that to us to today as well, that he reveals where our allegiance lies, where our love really is. 
And we see this again and again. But even in the dark foreshadowing of hardship in Jesus's life, we have this message of hope that God's uh, purpose would still be accomplished. So just then, another person runs up and she starts declaring the praises for Jesus. And her name was Anna. When you ask most people who Anna from the Bible is, they probably will tell you, I don't know, never heard of her. But we only get four sentences about her, but they exhibit who she was, what she was about, and what her message was. We know that she was old. We know that she was a widow. We know that she was from the lowly tribe of Asher, which was not a, a, a tribe of prominence in Israel. We, when uh, she saw what happened with Simeon, though, she joined the party and she began praising God and telling anyone who would listen about Jesus and about the restoration that Israel would experience through him. You see, she too had been fasting and praying. It says that she devoted herself day and night to fasting and prayer. She too was already connected with God when this beautiful moment arrived and was ready to see with spiritual eyes looking beneath the surface of what our physical reality holds for us. These stories and all the nativity stories that we celebrate and we remember and we tell this time of year tell not only of the importance and the, the, the audacity of our God to rescue us, to send his son for us. It tells us about our, his character. It tells us how big he is and yet how humble he was born. But it also reveals an insight for blueprints for ways for us to respond to the arrival of Christ. We think about some of the different characters in these stories. The angels, they responded with singing. The shepherds responded by going and telling others what they had seen. The wise men responded responded by bringing gifts to the king. And Mary responded by treasuring these things and pondering them in her heart. And we've just seen how Simeon and Anna respond. They, They praise God and then they tell others about it. And so I wanna ask you today, Where have you seen God's salvation in your own life? Are the eyes of your heart open to see it? And are you responding with praise? Are you telling others about it? Are you pondering them in your heart? Maybe you've seen God at work this Christmas. Perhaps you've seen Jesus during an intentional time of worship or prayer, like Simeon or Anna saw him. Or maybe you've seen Jesus in an unexpected time, like when the shepherds were watching the night shift and the angels came and interrupted them in a beautiful way. But maybe this year, it's been extra difficult to see God. And so I wanna encourage you today, keep looking, keep searching for God, keep seeking the kingdom because he's there. He not only is searching for you, he already sees you and knows you and loves you. He's there reaching out to you, pursuing you and offering you this salvation, even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it. That even in the darkness, the light of Christ is there shining. Christmas is the ultimate reminder that God desires to be near to us. And seeing Christ, we can see that God has come near. Sometimes it is indeed hard to see him, But when we look with eyes to truly see, we can see Christ all around us, even if we're not looking at the actual baby Jesus. We can see Christ in one another. 
We can see Christ in the beauty of nature, in the feeling of hope for a brighter future. We can see Christ in the little things of life and in the biggest headlines of the world. Christ is in all of those. He's at work in in the story of the Bible as well when we turn our attention to his word. We can see Christ everywhere when we look for him. We just have to look with eyes to see. We have to listen with eyes to hear. But when we do, God loves to show off. He loves to show us his salvation. So when we see Christ, we are seeing salvation. And may we look with eyes to see his salvation. God with us, Emmanuel. Will you pray with me? Lord, it is sometimes difficult to see what you're doing. In a world of brokenness, in a world of of pain and difficulty, sometimes we, we fail to recognize what you're doing. So God, we ask that you would help us to to seek you with our whole hearts, to seek your kingdom. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to, to know you in a new way. Open our eyes, God, open the eyes of our hearts to see you moving and help us to to love others as we do that, that we would be channels of blessing for the kingdom of God, that as we see you, we would respond to you, God, that we would respond with praise, we would respond with telling others, we would respond by pondering these things and treasuring them in our hearts. And Jesus, we thank you so much for the gift of of you, for the gift of God's Son. Emmanuel, God with us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.